everybody that was kind of loud welcome back to why we wear it i'm your host Kay. and i'm jay her sidekick so i have been gone for about a month now because the last time i recorded you guys knew i kind of mentioned that i had surgery so kind of a little synopsis on that and a life update i had uh, my ovary and fallopian tube removed on my left side and then i thought oh i'm fine because it was laparoscopically done i can get up i can move around no um no 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 <laughs> so <laughs> i just i needed to just sit my my ass down and rest and relax and then plus just the world was a dumpster fire and there was just a lot of shit going on so yep. but i'm back we're recording and here we are happy to be back happy to be back so I am an ex-personal stylist who basically didn't like people and their emotional shit when I was styling them. And I just wanted to talk about clothes and go shopping. Realized I was doing my customers a disservice. So I stopped being a personal stylist and I started this blog, blog, this podcast. Mm. I don't even know what I'm doing. This (laughs) podcast instead. And here we are. There you go. Okay, let's get started. So I gave you the life update already. So what's been going on in in the news? Basically, um, the world blew up, imploded. People stormed the Capitol building. It was Mm. chaos. We got a new president. We got a new vice president. We have female black Asian girl in the White House. Kudos. We are excited about that. We're excited about hopefully change coming. Yep. Hopefully rolling out this COVID vaccine so people can leave their homes finally. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, what else in the world of pop culture? Kanye and Kim were supposedly getting a divorce. Nobody knows. And there was a rumor that Kanye may have been gay. I don't know. Who cares? What else? Uh, Cicely Tyson passed away recently. That was sad. 96 years old. She was a literally a living legend, especially in the black community. Looked like she was all of 50. Right? Because you know black don't crack. So I'm just saying. So that happened. That was sad. It's so much, I can't even like really think. It was a lot. And I know I'm just basically skimming Mm -hmm. the surface. It's pretty much. 2021 is just still a continuation of 2020. So let's hope it gets better. Rest in peace, um, Chaney, the Temple head coach. He's like the godfather of basketball for our African-Americans. He passed away um, a couple of days ago, so. For all you basketball fans out there. Okay, sports, yes. Uh, <laughs> sports actually comes into play in today's <laughs> podcast. Um, what else? I found something. Uh, what else happened? Oh, Wendy Williams finally released her movie about her just mess of a life in the documentary on Lifetime. And listen, Lifetime doesn't do really well on their biopics. Um, I, I watched it. It was just. Her ex-husband is trash. He had a whole relationship on the side with his side piece. Had her in a house. Had a baby by her for 10 years. It was an ongoing relationship for 10 years. In the house. In the house. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, that was, I guess, something to watch and kind of distract ourselves with. And then what else? I found something interesting in the news today that Oregon just passed a law to decriminalize all drugs. Wait, all? What do you mean all? That's what it said, and that goes into effect. Like cocaine and heroin? It says, (laughs) I'm going to read to you. (laughs) 
is called the passage of measure 110 is the first of its kind legislation that decriminalizes the possession of illegal drugs in Oregon, including heroin, cocaine, meth, and oxy. So possession, not like distribution. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's not like everybody go ham and be drug dealers. So instead of the criminal justice approach, which is throw everybody in jail, like they've done for black people for years Mm -hmm. now that this is, you know, Drugs is becoming an issue that is hitting into suburbia, and I'm just being real and talking to everybody. Mm-hmm. Now that it's an issue creeping into the, the suburbs, it's now a mental health crisis. But right. when it was in the hood, it was like, let's no one care. Right, yeah. let's everybody out. But at least now, hopefully, this legislation starts in Oregon and it goes to the other states, and let's hope that also black and brown people get And is it ironic that this is happening as soon as... We changed, um, you know, we, presidents and, and the House flipped and all of that. So and yeah, Democrats so are is, back in power. So, yeah. So, so hopefully this know. means something. So, instead of punishing people, those in possession will be fined $100. Um, and then if they agree to the program to basically go into rehab. We're not condoning that you guys go out there and do drugs, by the way. This, no, that's not but what we're it doing, finally but. <laughs> is being considered a, yeah, yeah. a mental health crisis right, and right. not let's just lock everybody lock up. Lock every in brown person of, up. Yeah, right. Now yeah. it's like, oh, people really are sick. Let's give them treatment. So gotcha. Yeah. That, hopefully that's good. So yeah. that's what I have in the news. Cool. So you ready for today? What mm-hmm. we're going to talk about? So we are on the East Coast and we are in the middle of a st- horrible polar vortex. It's literally been like seven degrees all last week. And on the weekend, I think it got a high of all of 18. <laughs> and now we have a snowstorm. School has been canceled. Work has been canceled. Businesses are like businesses are closing today early because it's supposed to be really bad, like blizzard-like conditions. So this led me to what I want to talk about today. Cool. Today we are talking about the UGG boots. Oh, cool! Nice. So my source is UGG.com, BBC.com, and Wikipedia. So let's go into like the history of it. So the origin of the UGG boot. First of all, it has several different stories. Okay. Um, Uggs, as I should say, is literally just a term in Australia that people call sheepskin boots. Okay. So it's not necessarily associated with the Ugg company. Like, if you go to Australia, if you have a sheepskin boot, it's called an Ugg. Mm. That's what it's called. I didn't know that. So that's why the origin of the Ugg boot is kind of sloppy, and there's actually a legal battle going on right now, but I'll get into it. So it's unclear who first invented the boot, and several companies lay claim to the invention of the Ugg. The Ugg. Okay. So, for example, artisanal sheepskin boots were, like I said, were first worn in rural Australia during the 1920s. They re- were reportedly worn by shearers, the people who shear sheep, because they found the boots were resistant to the oil that was produced from the sheep when they would shear them. So, if they wore any kind of other boot, the oil would leak onto their shoes and kind of rot their mm. shoes. So, basically, I guess if you wore sheepskin it's resistant to the oil that their skin produces, mm. obviously, and so it wasn't rotting it. Um, in 1933, it was reported that the boots were manufactured by Blue Man Guy, a, a company called Blue Mountain, and mm-hmm. they were guys from South Wales. Frank Mortal of Mortal Sheepskin Factory also laid claim to the boots, stating that he manufactured the Uggs in the late 1950s. Surfer Shane Stedman of Australia said he invented the Ugg boots. 
a Perth sheepskin boot manufacturer, Brooke and Bronwyn McDouglas of Uggs and Rugs, said that they manufactured the boot in, since the late 1970s. They've been manufacturing since the late 1970s. Okay. And according to the actual Ugg.com website where you can buy your Uggs, they say that in 1978, Brian Smith was an Australian who landed in Southern California with a bag of sheepskin boots and a hope and a dream to sell them. Christ. So like I said, it's really unclear where the, the origin, boots, yeah. origins come from. Mm -hmm. But funny enough, people nowadays, and I'll get into this a little bit later, associate it with a winter shoe. Like I said, like the reason why I came up with the idea to do Uggsay is because of how cold it's been. Mm -hmm. But it originally originated, according to, like I said, the Ugg website, as a Southern California company. Mm. So it was a surfer shoe originally, or a surfer boot originally, but... We'll get into it. Mm -hmm. So in 1978, Brian Smith answered an advertisement from Country Leather, which was an Australian manufacturer for distributors to sell its sheepskin boots mm -hmm. that were being made from sheepskin that was sourced from Jackson Tannery, which is like a factory over in Australia. Okay. So Brian Smith, along with his partner at the time, Jug Denson, they were living in Santa Monica, California in the late 70s, and they became distributors because they saw how popular the boots were becoming among American surfers. So the idea was, and I think I can understand this a little bit, when you're a surfer, if you've ever lived in Southern California, I used to go to school out there, and I went to school in Malibu. And one thing that you would constantly see is the surfers, when they come out from the water, there's no like place for them to like change so you would literally as you're driving down pch you'll see people like stripping out of their wetsuits and just changing and getting it like sometimes you'll mm -hmm. just see a full naked ass on the because right. <laughs> there's no like Jesus. place like you come out of the ocean you drop you put your surfboard on top of your car you got to strip out of your wetsuit and then you put whatever on and you get in your car okay <laughs> so i think the idea of it was you could have these shoes because they protected your feet from the hot sand. So if you're coming right out of the water, mm -hmm. they're lined with wool. So by the time you put your foot in there, even though your foot might be wet, by the time you get to your car, your foot's now dry because the wool has like soaked up everything. So I kind of get the idea of why people and surfers mm. were like attracted to the idea of okay. this boot. Gotcha. And why it became popular among American surfers. Okay. So when um, Brian and his partner Doug, like I said, answered the advertisement to be distributors, they didn't like the brand mm -hmm. as it was, and they decided to register Uggs uh -huh. as their own trademark and kind of decided to like revamp the brand. Okay. So family friends invested $20,000 in the new business, and the group set up like Ugg Imports. Doug eventually handed over his shares of the company to Brian. And in 1987, Brian registered Uggs Holding, Inc. And in 1985, registered it as a U.S. trademark. And the trademark was the original Ugg boot, Ugg Australia, which is what you would see on the boot now today if you okay. go to the Ugg website. Okay. In 1985, Ugg Holdings purchased various other trademarks of its name, and later Ugg Holding was sold to Decker Outdoor Corporation. Okay, so that's kind of where it sits. So it's basically, it's basically a U.S. company now. Okay. Um, has all I guess has always started out as a U.S. company. And essentially, the reason why it's tied up in all the legal battles is because, like I said, Ugg is just the traditional word for a sheepskin boot. 
Okay. And in Australia, tons of other companies made uh, boots. Boots, right. Okay. But when the company was bought by Brian and they started issuing the trademarks, basically what they did was they tried to buy up all their trademarks to prevent other people from manufacturing Uggs. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And so that's kind of where the legal thing comes into play. So, like I said, many associate Uggs as being an Australian company, but are surprised to know that Uggs is actually owned by Decker Outdoor Corporation, which is a U.S. company and originally started in Southern California. Gotcha. It's just kind of crazy. Okay. And again, like I just explained, the current legal battle between the Australian manufacturers. Specifically, there's one going on now between a Sydney manufacturer, Eddie Ogier, I hope I'm saying that right, and the U.S. company Decker Outdoor Corporation, is that the U.S. company is suing the Australian manufacturers to, to, to basically keep them from, like I said, selling the Uggs and infringing on their trademark. Gotcha. And Eddie and other Australian manufacturers are saying that's preposterous because Ugg is just the name of the boot that we've sold for century. Mm. Like, how are you kind of putting a trademark on it? Kind of how like Christian Louboutin wanted to trademark the red sole, mm. but the courts were like, "Nah, homie, you can't put a trademark on red." But his argument was, "Well, Tiffany has a trademark on the Tiffany blue," but the judge in that case was like, "Yeah, but it's like not on the color specifically blue all around. It's on a specific like variation of the color blue." Mm. That makes okay. sense. Mm -hmm. So that was your law school lesson for the day, people. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, though. But so that's what's kind of going on in the courts right now. Right, it's basically right. like, like this huge trademark lawsuit, which right. I think is interesting. I think it's fascinating, right. but also that's my own law school. So the history of the boot. Like I said, 1978, Brian started the company. Started as a surfer shoe, mm -hmm. was sold in surf shops, which, like I always said, which was weird because you think a sheepskin wool-lined boot, you wouldn't associate that with sure, right. warmness with warm, and people yeah. wanting to like wear it in, in Southern California. But that's how it started. Hmm. By the mid-1980s, the Ugg brand became a symbol of like the relaxed California style and was super popular among small beach towns. So Malibu, Santa Cruz, San Diego, like you went down there, you saw people wearing okay. the Ugg boot. Eventually, the boot reached beyond the beach and started popping up in like big cities and small towns everywhere. It kind of like, like branched out and this popularity kind of grew. The UGG kind of became like the surfer person's letterman jacket. And like, so the girlfriends of all like the top surfers would wear their boyfriend Uggs. Mm. Kind of like the way a cheerleader would wear their boyfriend's like quarterback jacket mm. mm -hmm. or letterman jacket. Mm -hmm. See, I told you the sports was coming back. Cool. So <laughs> the reason why this boot was also so versatile and the reason why a lot of Southern Californians liked it because believe it or not, Southern California kind of does have seasons depending on where you live in California. I want to say... Let me go back. California has seasons, depending mm -hmm. on where you live. So if you live in Southern California, it's pretty much sunny all day. But you can go up north, go skiing at Big Bear, and there's, like, snow and shit. 
you can go to like Northern California wine country and it looks like fucking foliage in fall like it does here in New England sometimes. So, mm-hmm. so it kind of does have seasons and this boot was versatile and kind of mixed in with all of that because you could wear it on the beach mm-hmm. and then come winter time when you wanted to go skiing, you could wear it up in Big Bear and mm. it will protect your feet and keep your feet dry gotcha. from like the wet snow. Okay. So... And the design of the boot was just so perfect for that. Because like I said, it was, it's made out of sheepskin and it's lined with wool. So whether or not you're coming out of the ocean, like I said earlier, it's protecting your feet from the hot sand. You put your foot in there wet. By the time you get to where you're going, it's like soaked up all the wetness and your foot is now dry. And again, in the wintertime, it's keeping your foot dry and keeping like the snow from making your foot wet. I Penetrating, guess. yep. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's the word. So by the late 90s, the Ugg brand continued to grow and people continued to fall in love with the relaxed, casual style of the boot. Mm-hmm. So by the mid to late 90s, like early aughts, you had a stop, you, like, you had style trendsetters at the time, like Paris Hilton and the Lindsay Lohans and the Britney Spears. If you remember this, and I was actually in California at this time, they were the it girls of mm-hmm. that time. And this, what they would do is they would wear... They're juicy, juicy couture velour, like, jumpsuit jacket with a denim mini skirt, Ugg boots, and, like, a small Louis Vuitton handbag. That was, like, the style of the time. Every girl in California dressed like that. Every girl at my school dressed like that. Like, that was, like, the <laughs> uniform of the it girl. Mm-hmm. Did you dress like that? I did not dress like that. <laughs> but that was like the style of it. Because I couldn't understand. I couldn't wrap my head around wearing some hot ass boots. Yeah. And a mini skirt. And I still, and I think I said this oh, before God. when we did, I think we did like go-go boots or something. I don't understand wearing hot ass boots in the summertime. Like right. I still can't wrap my head around that. But mm-hmm. to each their own. Sure. So like I said, by the... <laughs> In the late 90s and the early 2000s, like, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing girls dressed like that. And really, it really was the Paris Hilton, the Lindsay Lohans, and the Britney Spears. You opened any kind of, like, tabloid magazine at the time, and that's what they had on. Okay. Every California girl had a pair of boots, wanted a pair of boots. Like, that was just the style. The thing, it yeah. just kind of, like, exploded. Okay. Also, by the... um. So, also by the 2000s, this cheapskin boots were first featured on Oprah's favorite things list. And Oprah declared, I, like, love my Ugg boots. They're, like, amazing. And so, whenever Oprah... That's all you need. First of all, whenever your product is featured on Oprah's favorite things list, forget about it. You're an instant millionaire. That's number one. Get ready. Get ready. Make sure you have all (laughs) of the products in stock because the girls will buy them and they will go out of stock. Uh. So not only if it's featured, that's just if it's featured. That's just if she shows a picture like, girls, this is what I'm buying. Mm -hmm. She actually says, I love it. Fucking forget about it. Like instant millionaire. And so that just catapulted Uggs into like a whole new atmosphere. Oprah gave her, Oprah and Vogue. Mm. You get a seal of approval from Oprah. You get a seal of approval from Vogue. Your life has been made. Yeah. So that's essentially what happened in 2000. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Declare that. So now everybody and everyone and their mama was taking notice of the of this new like shoe, mm-hmm. including New York fashion industry. Okay. And they also started paying attention. So the brand had fully evolved. It went from a company that made comfy slippers for surfers and people who like to ski 
to a symbol of like style and like a luxurious kind of lifestyle because they're also expensive. These aren't cheap shoes. You're talking about, I think they start out around like $110 for a pair of like sheepskin boots. Really? Yes, they're not cheap. So it, it, it evokes this whole luxurious lifestyle kind of. And thing. it's functional because it doesn't keep your feet. It does. It keeps your work, feet right? warm. It does. It keeps your. It does. Because I've never heard anything bad about them. No, it, it does them. keep your foot warm. It okay. does. I just again don't understand wearing it in eighty degree weather. In Cali, that's just yeah. Me. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so soon the brand was featured on the pages of Vogue magazine, and again, like I just said, we know that that's the ultimate stamp of fashion approval, especially right. back in the early two thousands. Like Vogue's like word really carried weight. Okay. So by the mid-2000s, the the desire for premium casual fashion was a huge trend that was fueled by celebrities from coast to coast. So this also is around the time, again, that you had the whole juicy velour jumpsuits. Mm -hmm. So this was really the introduction of, like, athleisure wear that we had talked about. Like, this is that whole yoga, like, uh, leggings are not pants thing. Or maybe they are pants. So people really started, like, embracing athleisure wear and wearing sweatsuits outside and Ugg boots kind of really fit right in. Okay. Into that. Okay. Every celebrity imaginable has been photographed in Ugg boots. Like, if you look up any picture, you'll see celebrities when they're, like, on set and they're walking from the set to, like, their next location, they're usually in Ugg boots. Like, it was just a thing. So, the brand continued to evolve throughout the years, like, just over and over again in different colors and different styles of the Ugg boots started coming out. And, like, now they have, like, slippers and sandals and sneakers and wedges and, like, everything you could imagine they make. Okay. According to their website, um, Ugg has also been featured on several runways and fashion shows. And they also, they actually had their own New York City Fashion Week runway show back in 2019. So, like, that's okay. how popular. And they're starting to collab with other, like, designers and stuff. Okay. They've also partnered with people like Tom Brady and made wow. him a spokesperson. See, sports again. Made him a sports person <laughs> and model. <laughs> she knows nothing about sports, by the way, people. So, when she makes these references... <laughs> She feels good about herself, but go ahead. <laughs> Which, like, so when they partnered with Tom Brady, it kind of, like, introduced the brand to, like, men, really. Yeah. Like, menly, like, football men. We like football. <laughs> like. <laughs> football men, okay? <sighs> so the brand continues to grow, and it has, like, flagship stores in the U.K. and uh, Moscow. And mm-hmm. I don't know what, like, this year will bring, because I know what 2020 happened, a lot of luxurious brands, like, closed their doors. The fashion industry and the retail industry really took a hard hit, so I'm not sure how those flagship stores are doing now. I like to think that they're doing well because with people being stuck in their homes, and again, like I had just mm. said, like athleisure wear was already on an mm-hmm. uptick. It really kind of hit a new level with people being stuck at home, and yep. it's like, why am I gonna like get dressed? So people started really coming up with like designers and stuff. Really started getting into that whole like luxurious pajamas that you could kind of like wear mm. out. That kind of mm. is it PJs or is it a cute little like pants and like you know mm-hmm. suit or whatever like a silk suit so i think uggs really kind of like fits in with that whole 
look because mm-hmm. they are more of I think of Uggs as more of like a comfortable, cozy type shoe. Okay. Kind of thing. Like like a house slipper. Right. A very expensive house slipper. But yeah, so that's why I that's how I think okay. of of the the Ugg boot. So I, I don't see the popularity of it slowing down anytime soon and especially now it's associated something that started out as like a Southern California shoe is really also associated with a lot of cold weather. And especially now, like how things are in the polar vortex and this is a brutal winter. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the popularity of the shoe will grow okay. even more. Nice. So there you have it. The Ugg boots and uh, why we wear it. Nice. Your cool. questions. Uh, first question. Yes. So these questions are, a little bit more challenging than uh, past okay. questions. Oh, God. Okay. He uh, wrote them down, guys. So, okay. okay. I'm mean, so, Here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from a legal standpoint, because oh, we, we both went to law school <laughs> and, um, and you brought up a lot of interesting points mm-hmm. today. So, out of all of the companies that you mentioned who were squabbling about having first rights mm-hmm. who would you represent whose interests would you represent oh, and Jesus. and why like if i was their lawyer they all pitch you listen we need an attorney to represent our 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 cause and and why we think we have the right to have people wear our <laughs> product so like, like out of which, the companies like that you just about? mentioned okay. today, and I know some might say, well, we were the first technically to put it out. Others might say, yeah, but you know, we were the ones that were responsible for. Oh, out of the UGG companies, not like what I was talking about, Christian Louboutin. Okay, I yeah, out of just the UGG companies, yeah. I would. Me personally, from the little limited research I I did, this is kind of like fucked up what Brian Smith and them did, but it's kind of also genius. He he started the trademark. So he's the one who, although, and we know a little bit about this from intellectual property, that two different people can have the same idea at the same concept Mm -hmm. at the same time. So who lays claim to it? Like That's kind of why intellectual property is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. He kind of laid claim from it in a legal standpoint by starting and issuing the trademarks and buying up the other trademarks. So although the companies in Australia and have been saying, well, Ugg is literally a term for sheepskin boot. Mm-hmm. That's cute, girl, but you didn't put a trademark on the name. Mm. They did. They trademarked this it. This is Br- Bryant? Bryant? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he and his company trademarked the name and then went about trying to like purchase up the other trademark. So I think he has a stronger legal. A stronger legal claim? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's just okay. my thing. And then my second and final question is... In the time of the COVID where people aren't really <laughs> leaving their homes. Uh, the time of the great panini. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, what challenges are companies like UGG facing? And the second part of that question is how do they, if you were like um, a consultant, 
mm-hmm. for a fashion company that's, you know, facing all of these challenges during um, the, the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. What are those challenges and how do you, you know, address those issues? Okay, so I think what the challenge... How do you keep making money? So I think what the challenges are is you have a lot of people aren't spending money like they used to. Right. We we had basically went into another like depression, economic recession. Unemployment rates were like through the roof. Like so people don't have money to spend one hundred and twenty dollars or one hundred and ten dollars on like some sheepskin boots like that. Mm. That's number one. Number two, where the fuck am I going? I ain't ain't got no job. Where are you going, I can't Tommy? go anywhere, you ain't even got no if job. I... Yeah, you can't go nowhere, so why are you putting shoes on? Right. So I think that is the issue that a lot of these that's retail companies okay. yeah, are facing. And that's why a lot of them went belly up, frankly, yeah. at the yep. beginning of yep. this pandemic in early 2020. Like, a lot of companies started folding. And you saw huge, iconic institutions going out. I mean, Barney's is no longer with us. Like, Barney's... They're not? No, Barney shut its doors... I want to say Barney started shutting its doors at the end of 2019, very beginning of 2020. Oh, Barney, wow. sh- Barney shut down. I didn't know that. And you have stores like Century 21, which was like iconic. Like that's where I used to go to get all of my designer pieces because you could get designer clothes for like 80% off at Century 21. Mm. Century 21 shut their doors because people just weren't shopping like that and they just could not keep up with like that whole like demand of buying the product and like getting it out to people. So I think that is the challenge is people just don't have money to spend like that. And then e-commerce is really killing the mm. brick and mortar store. Right. And I think we saw that too with 2020, like Amazon made a shit ton of money. Yeah. So why am I going to have the cost of having a brick and mortar store when I can just sell my shit online and Amazon makes it even easier for you to do Yeah. because they're basically like drop shipping. Yeah. I don't even have to keep the products in my house. I can right. just set up my store and then if you buy it, it gets shipped out to you. Right. So on, it's on demand. It's on demand yeah. drop shipping. Yeah. yeah, essentially. So that also like kind of killed Gotcha. Kill the the fashion industry. And then COVID itself. Like, so even if I do have a store that is open, right? And even if I do have a store that didn't go belly up, you really don't have the store that's open because of the COVID regulations that are put in place. Especially in the beginning of the shutdown when we actually went into a full shutdown and stores were actually closed. And if you're not making money, you're not making revenue, how are you keeping the lights open and Mm. on open? Mm -hmm. And also, how are you then moving that inventory that you had? So all of that past inventory then has to sell. Everything has to sell when you're in retail. I don't care what it is. When Mm. I worked in retail, people would would come back and return shit that was so like I remember this one woman returned a blouse because I used to work at New York and Company and that shit smelled (laughs) like she had ran... A fucking marathon in it, and this bitch had the nerve to return it. Oh and I was like, my god! Ew. And my boss tried to tell me <laughs> to take it. She told me take it, and she tried to tell me to retag it. And I put oh. that shirt in her face, and I was like, I am not retagging this and putting this out on the floor. Do you smell this? <laughs> and she's like, Oh my god, what happened? And I was like, Exactly. So they will try to tell you to retag yeah. and sell everything. That's like the little secret. Did you guys take it back? They had a bin that was like okay. a damaged bin. That I don't know what they what they did with those clothes afterwards. But I mean, the clothes had to be so beyond repair for oh, it to Jesus go in the damage bin. Because you could even get stuff returned to you. And you've probably gone to, to stores like this where they have that sell as is. 
Oh, that's what those are? That's what those are clothes that are damaged. There's stains on them. It smells. It, mm. It's bad. It is just bad. But they still have to sell it because they have to make a profit. Right. You don't sell. You can't just be throwing merchandise away. Yeah. Your business goes out of business. Correct. So gotcha. I don't know what happened to all of that merchandise where stores were closed for months. Right, right. And then you open back up and you open back up in a new season. Right. How am I supposed to sell yeah, shit from like thing. three months ago? The new season, and then I got yeah. a new inventory coming in. Right. Do I not purchase it? So it was like a whole Wow. That was like a whole issue with the retail. So I think those were the reasons why businesses weren't making money. Gotcha. To answer the other question about like what do you do now? If there was a company, how would I, I guess, advise them to sell money? Mm -hmm. I think you really have to push your e-commerce business mm. heavily. And I think you have to also, a lot of brands don't like doing this, especially like a lot of high-end brands. But UGG is kind of like that mid-low-level mm -hmm. uh, brand that you can do this, is you, you license out your brand. So a place like UGG can license out their brands like Nordstrom or Nordstrom Rack. Mm -hmm. And then... You can sell more merchandise because then you're selling it at a discounted rate. If gotcha. you sell it at a place like Nordstrom Rack. So gotcha. I can go to Nordstrom Rack and buy Uggs 30% discounted versus going on the website. But guess what? Ugg is still making money no matter what. What? Right. Okay. So there you have it. Companies, that's what you do. And <laughs> consumers, that's how you buy. That's how you buy. Buy, yes. Always check Nordstrom Rack. Always check. If you want designer stuff, don't go to Nordstrom Girl. Go to Nordstrom Rack. This is my little style <laughs> tip for you. You can go to Nordstrom if you want to look around and be like, oh, that's cute. And then you take Nordstrom's your ass to Nordstrom Rack. Rack. That's where you go to buy your shit. Especially for bras, ladies. You go get fitted at Nordstrom and then you go to Nordstrom Rack and buy your bra. What you know what your size is. That shit is like literally 40, sometimes 50% discounted. Because uh, if you try to go to Nordstrom and buy a bra, you will spend in $120 for some shits that your titties don't outgrow in six months. Oh, I'm just saying. Like, mm -mm. I'm just saying. Also, realreal.com, luxurygaragesale.com. If you're like me and you like luxury brands and the girls like Louis Vuitton and Gucci bag, but you don't have Louis Vuitton, Gucci bag money, or you do, but you can't justify spending $2,000 in the back because mm -hmm. why go there and you can get I got I got a Louis Vuitton um monogrammed bag a speedy 45 mm -hmm. those are the sizes you have speedy like 25 and then it goes up so I have the speedy 45 which would normally retail for over a thousand dollars excellent well it was an excellent condition but really good condition because mm -hmm. you're buying it used Normally, we retail for over $1,000. I paid 400 for it. <laughs> the zipper tag was broke. That's okay. I took it back to Louis Vuitton, the actual Louis Vuitton flagship store. They mm -hmm. replaced it for $20. Wow. There's your tip. There you have it. There you have it. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yep. Hopefully, we will be back on track now. <laughs> rate review subscribe if you have questions you can submit them to why we wear it at gmail.com and we will see you guys next week all right thank peace. you bye